I'm designing something, it's really good to know what potential flaw could be because I had that when I designed my initial, my first piece and going into the factory and getting it all done and the sample came back and there was like a stretch in the crotch and it was from the machine, but it's not something that I would ever have known. So I was saying, I, it shouldn't be sitting like this and they were like we've done exactly it's it's cut exactly to what you've given us we haven't done anything wrong and I couldn't work out what was wrong then after a while I realized and I said it to them and they were like aha okay that makes sense so that would be this machine and whatnot so at that time I knew nothing and I was like right I need to be in this factory every day just learning and understanding these things so it's definitely more of the second side where it's just an understanding not for me to physically then go and say okay I'm now the designer pattern cutter manufacturer I'm not trying to do everything I don't think that's really a very good business model but it's really helpful to understand all aspects of the business Hi everybody, welcome to Designer to Designer, a podcast where we dive into deep, candid conversations with fashion designers, professionals and entrepreneurs. As a fashion designer and entrepreneur myself, the journey has sometimes been lonely, but I get over the tough times by being in good company. My mission is to make sure you never feel lonely again as you grow your fashion empire. I'm your host, Rebecca Tembo, founder of self-titled Jumpsuit Label and The Entry Platform, a platform for aspiring designers to develop their skills within entrepreneurship, design and mindset. If you enjoy this podcast episode, please leave a review, subscribe and share it with somebody you feel will benefit from this. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hi designers, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're joined with Sheena Paul, a fashion designer from Northwest London who focuses on loungewear and lifestyle products. Sheena's story is so interesting because she originally wanted to be a stylist, but a medical injury stopped those dreams, which eventually led Sheena down the path of design. In today's episode, we spoke about getting through the tough times mentally, some early mistakes she made, such as paying £500 for a sample, don't do that, and how beneficial it is to have a mentor, plus pivoting to lifestyle products during a pandemic. So this is going to be a really fun episode for you guys. I also have another exciting announcement for you. We are launching a group coaching program with the Fashion Management Consultancy Group. It's going to be an exciting six months of helping you go from I have an idea to I've launched my brand. And if you've already started, then we'll help you achieve the next big step in your business. We're going to have monthly group mastermind sessions, monthly masterclasses, exclusive resources, an open stack channel and give you tons and tons of knowledge we've got two packages one is everything mentioned and the other is everything mentioned plus one-to-one coaching for 60 minutes within the six months we have very limited spaces guys because there's literally only two of us running the program and we want everyone to really benefit our main goal is that you see results we want you to go from literally i have an idea to i am a fashion ceo i have a business i have a business plan i've launched i have a website i've done my shoots like we're literally holding you accountable and walking with you every single step of the way there's already 20 people who have signed up so please don't miss out on this guys as it's only happening once a year because of six months we can't do this um at the same time with another group we can't do this twice a year because we have other things that we're doing the deadline is monday the 1st of march 2021 literally next week monday if you're listening to this when this podcast comes out and you can get the details at www.thefmcg.co or click the link in the description and it'll take you straight to the page 
Okay, that was a lot, guys. Now let's get into today's episode. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, please tap five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It really, really does help. And yeah, enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Sheena. Thank you so much for being here. Do you mind introducing yourself to the audience and just letting them know a bit about you? Hi, everyone. I'm Sheena. So I own a small women's wear brand. It's called Sheen London. It's got a focus on luxury sort of loungewear. And that incorporates high quality fabrics. And what we're really known for is the shapewear element. So it's really about kind of bringing in that feeling confident while still in loungewear. So shapewear, it just kind of works to your body, whether you're slimline like me and need a little bit of kind of curves added to the body, or if you've cut in a bit of lockdown weight and kind of want to be cinched in a bit at the waistline and that sort of thing, it really makes you just feel good in your own body and comfortable in your own skin and yeah we're just all about kind of having that community where you do not feel like loungewear has to be sort of slobby as such it's just kind of bringing better quality stuff learning how to style pieces 10 times over buying better and yeah feeling really good perfect thank you so let's talk a bit about your background like growing up where you're from I know from London but where in London were you from and like how did that influence who you are today so I'm from Northwest London born and brought up here always lived here I've moved around for about seven years I was up in Leicester and then in South London I've done all the different sides but I've ended up back here um home is just it's just where you always end up <laughs> um and I think with London it's just it's so nice when you just kind of have an influence in every single day everywhere you go people just are wearing what they want they it's very unique nothing's unacceptable and I think that's always influenced me in thinking you don't have to kind of conform to what the norms are and what we wear and that's where my love of loungewear came from because I think everyone sort of feels that's a very you have to wear it in the house and if you run to Tesco because you want to grab something a pint of milk and you're in your tracksuit and you just feel kind of you don't want to see anyone you have that awkward look down sort of phase and I think it just made me realize that actually no you can really adapt your clothing and your look to how you want to be and for me that was loungewear needs to be able to look good you need to feel good look good and in London that's so acceptable you just don't have to feel slobby in it so yeah I definitely think that influenced me and also that sort of like minimal aesthetic I think that's very it's, it's all over London you, you walk around and you see these really beautiful like shapes and lines and it's all about it's not about the print it's about the actual cut and that for me yeah that hugely influenced my designs definitely besides the crazy house prices I do think it is one of the <laughs> best places to live in the world and just because of the different people that you meet here it's so multicultural it's so fun you know when it's not in lockdown <laughs> it's just good vibes <laughs> that's cool um so you studied business and marketing at university so I'm wondering if you know prior to being a designer or deciding to go into fashion like what was your like parents thoughts on that um you know doing something that was not the safe route you know whereas if you go into business you know you do a degree in business it can kind of give you hopefully some stability well, I actually, yeah, that very much did sort of happen for me because as I was applying for uni, I was toying between fashion, marketing and business and marketing. And at the time, so this is quite a while back, I am 27. So I graduated about five years ago. So this is going back maybe nine years now. Um, 
And I think at the time, fashion was such a rookie road to go down. It was very uncertain, very unstable. So my parents definitely, I'm very lucky in the fact that they aren't pushy. They were very much, you know, you do what you want to do. So I'm super, super lucky in that way. But at the same time, when it came to choosing which course, they always said, you know, it has to be down to you. You have to do what you love. But we do think sort of business and marketing is a safer route to go down than the fashion side because if you don't end up going into fashion, you can always use that. So for sure, that was like a bit of a decision in that sense. Um, And then I kind of felt that was the best route too, because now, although I did business and marketing and fashion would have been a hugely helpful course to have done, you can always learn more. So I'm always out there looking for more like little courses here and there and following all the kind of like educational pages in fashion and just learning bit by bit. It is difficult because... I feel like I just don't even know the basics of pattern cutting and things like that. So when I'm designing something, that is tough. And I'm always like kind of looking to do those courses. And it's definitely in the pipeline. I actually wanted to do them last year, but, you know, coronavirus came around and here we are. But yeah, I I don't know. It definitely was a bit of a wiggly route, but I think I did make the right decision in the end. And with family, I'm just, like I said, super lucky that they're on board with, whatever my decision is yeah and I feel like I don't know I didn't go to university but probably with doing a business and marketing degree there's probably some things that you can easily transfer to fashion if you know what I mean like the principles typically are the same it's just changing it for the industry and then you mentioned um doing courses like pattern cutting etc so do you try and do a course to actually really learn the skill so you can practice it or do you find that you want to learn it to get a basic understanding so that when you're having these meetings with the manufacturers and stuff you kind of know what you're talking about definitely the second I would never be able to sit and make a pattern or do anything like that not in my wildest dreams I just think it's really a case of if I'm designing something it's really good to know what potential flaw could be because I had that when I designed my initial, my first piece and going into the factory and getting it all done and the sample came back and there was like a stretch in the crotch and it was from the machine, but it's not something that I would ever have known. So I was saying I, it shouldn't be sitting like this and they were like, we've done exactly, it's it's cut exactly to what you've given us, we haven't done anything wrong and I couldn't work out what was wrong. Then after a while I realised and I said it to them and they were like, aha, okay, that makes sense, so that would be this machine and whatnot. So at that time, I knew nothing and I was like, right, I need to be in this factory every day just learning and understanding these things. So it's definitely more of the second side where it's just an understanding, not for me to physically then go and say, okay, I'm now the designer pattern cutter, manufacturer. I'm not trying to do everything. I don't think that's really a very good business model, but it's really helpful to understand all aspects of the business, yeah. whether or not you're the one practicing them or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely saves you so much money, mm-hmm. <laughs> so many mistakes, and it gets people to take you more seriously as well. You know, like when you yeah. actually show, like, yeah, I know what that notch means or what the dart means. They're like, okay, like we can talk to this person. <laughs> like we'll actually try and get their work done on time. You know, because they. So can see I think that even um, when I was looking for manufacturers, like later down the line, having that phone call and having that understanding when they're using certain terminology and stuff, it's so much easier to have a normal conversation with them because they really have faith that you know what you're doing and you're not just kind of winging it which I am still but (laughs) it just yeah definitely brings a little bit more trust to the conversation got it so after university what was the route to now going into fashion for you oh god another wiggly route so I started off wanting to be a stylist 
I that was my dream that was always my dream I absolutely loved the idea of just I just always looked at people I thought oh they should just change that and that and add a little hat on that would fit really well and that was something that came so naturally to me but I think I think I've mentioned this to you before I had a bit of a medical disaster and I slipped a disc in my back so that meant styling was just off the cards completely because you are on your feet for what 16 hours a day you're lugging suitcases and at this point I couldn't I really couldn't walk for about six months I was on the floor so I was definitely into the industry I knew fashion was where my heart was it was just that was a, a no-brainer for me but yeah it was at that point that I thought right what can I do and that's where my vision went from styling to a product because I'd already made some sort of custom clothing and popped that on Depop so I hadn't manufactured it myself but I just kind of customized pieces and popped them online and they had sold so that sort of was where all the little bells were going off thinking right maybe this actually could work so at that point I had no knowledge I had no experience didn't know what I was doing reached out to a ton of people but it kind of related back to what we just said there was no trust or anything and no one really wanted to help because I hadn't actually done anything yet it was all just an idea and I think a lot of people are quite protective at that point and they think well you haven't really done anything why should I help and there's just there wasn't a lot of I just didn't feel a good energy back and I thought right not gonna let that kick write me off I'm just gonna go on Google and I literally just did everything online found all the contacts I could rang around as many manufacturers I could did my design got my samples done awful paid 500 pounds for one and it wasn't even right it wasn't even in the correct fabric that fabric got discontinued next year got it manufactured and kind of just went from there let's talk about that 500 pound sample because We've all been there. (laughs) What the hell? Like, how? Why? Why was it £500? So I didn't know what it was meant to be. And I had, like I said, just gone online. And this was, I had everyone who I'd asked for advice for wasn't really trying to help. And I was just eager to just get things cracking. I didn't want to sit there and waste time. And I was on the floor of my room thinking, I need something to keep me busy. So this is how, like, it. I just went through a whole number of different people who could make the samples for me. This was one that came up a number of times online. They probably just had good SEO, to be honest, and um, was ringing them on the phone. It felt really comfortable. Um, I normally, I'm quite a gut feeling person. And my gut feeling was off with it, but I thought it was just that I was nervous because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, But yeah, I then managed to get a fabric that I absolutely loved it was manufactured in London it was beautiful they told me that it was gonna this was separate to this person who made the sample so I thought the fabric was fine thought it was an ongoing one that's what they told me they stocked it in the warehouse got that sent to the guy who was making the sample and went back and forth with him a few times and it just seemed very easy very free-flowing but when it got to the point of it being ready firstly he took a good few weeks longer than he should have then I managed to actually physically go and get it because I was like I want to see it while it's there and try it on and whatnot and he had just made changes that I hadn't asked for and I was like this is now your design not mine please change them he was like well it's going to cost to change them I said but on paper here it clearly says this is what I've asked for so can you just do what I've asked for please and it was just such a drama back and forth that I ended up paying him more it accumulated to 500 pounds and I just walked away and thought okay I don't think that's normal but if it is, it is, okay, it's 500 pounds. And 
walking away from that and then talking about it and me putting a figure on it, that's when people start to say, no, that's too much. So I kind of felt like at that point, I just, I had no option because everyone I'd reached out to wasn't trying to give advice. Now I realise you just got to keep going and find the right person. Someone out there is going to be willing to help and it would have saved me a lot of money, but it's a mistake I had to make and I learned a lot from it. So yeah. it could be worse. I'm, um, I had a clothing manufacturer workshop the other day on Sunday mm-hmm. and one of the attendees said that, like, I don't know what company, but they um, quoted her £7,000 to consult her on creating her collection. And it wasn't what? even like a big collection. And this is someone that is completely new to the game, and that would scare anybody off because you'll be like seven. Th- like that's not even making it. That's just to consult. Crazy. And you'll just be like, you know what? I don't want to start a fashion brand because that's ridiculous. But <laughs> honestly, it's it's wow. crazy. And I think yeah, people are a bit quiet. It's quite hard, and I know that when you do contact manufacturers, it's very hard for them to give you a quote straight away as well because they have to factor in a lot of things. But I think it's kind of trying to find a way to like notice those red flags yeah you know a bit early on yeah so that you're able to be like okay this isn't somebody that I want to work with and this number's maybe a bit you know but I think it's it's fair it's life <laughs> you figure okay. things out exactly so let's talk about when you slipped your disc is that how mm-hmm. you say it slipped your disc or yeah. disc slipped <laughs> I've never had to say it before <laughs> okay because I like to think about like the more emotional like roller coaster that goes on behind it and of course like being like lockdown has been difficult for like everybody but I can imagine like basically in a way being bed down for like six months is mm-hmm. just a lot you know especially like the tricks you can play on your brain and stuff so how did you like overcome that period of firstly your dream of being a fashion stylist basically was stripped away from you and then secondly it's just the boredom you know not being able to do anything and you seem like someone that likes to get a lot of things done like likes to keep busy how was that for you so yeah as you said I am so busy all the time but I love it I'm not complaining about it I love it and that is just how I've been from day one I'm super active super busy so for me personally, it was a huge hit. It really was a huge hit. And I think you relating it to the virus is actually a really, really good way to kind of describe it because it's just frustrating. You can't get out of your house. You can't do the things you want to do. And then on top of that, the physically being unable to, you know, I, I remember there's a day I dropped my phone and I couldn't pick my phone up off the floor. So I ended up sitting, staring at my bedroom ceiling for hours until someone came home and could pick the phone up for me and I could get back to it because it was that bad. And I think emotionally, it did wear me down a bit, but I'm quite a person that I don't like to dwell on things because I just feel like you're wasting time. And that, instead of letting that kind of drag me down, it basically gave me the drive. And it was like, do you know what? You are here. For whatever reason, this has happened to you. You've now got time. Use that time and get to where you want to be. And I was probably most productive in the time that I was at home not being able to physically do anything and being in a lot of pain which is physically draining and again emotionally draining also because when your body is doing those things your mind is just like how do I how do I just function normally so yeah for me I think have your moment get over it and get to it like just keep going like use that as your drive use that sort of that that horrible energy that is just telling you you can easily go into that sort of hole of why me why is this happening but 
where's that going to get you? It is happening. You've got to just, yeah, for me, I was just like, you've got to just use this time and get going. And it really helped me because six months down the line, I'd learned a lot. I'd lost a lot. I'd done a lot. I'd, I'd been through sort of everything you can go through. But by the time I was ready to kind of get out, hop in my car and keep get going, I was in a much better place than when my back did kind of fail me. <laughs> At the time of the incident, was there anything you kind of regretted? You know, when it kind of takes something quite big like that to make you see life in probably the right perspective and be like, you know what, I wish I appreciated this more. I wish I did this more. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I even feel that now because the problem with my back is it, it, it's chronic, so I can't get surgery to fix it or anything like that. So I do just kind of deal with every day having to manage things like certain things. You know, when you go to the airport, I have to ask someone to come and help me and put my bag up if I'm traveling alone. And it's things like that. I'm quite proud and I don't like asking. I, I just, I don't really like asking people to, for help. I've learned how to, but it does definitely kind of take you back to literally your physical health is something to be so grateful for. And even now, like you said, with the virus, just having your freedom is something to be so grateful for. And these are all things that back in the day were just, they're just normal. You, you kind of forget what it means but yeah having that time suddenly I was like right I need to look after myself I need to look after my mental health I need to look after my body and need to be grateful for the things that are actually allowing me to function and that's definitely sits with me till today for sure so you've gone through mistakes gone through personal situations etc so now that you're in a completely different space what's that design process for you like what have you learned from that to make it a bit smoother for you now it's still, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I, I still feel like I'm continuously growing on that side of things because I've now been working with a manufacturer who's really comfortable with how I work, but they've recently closed down. They didn't survive the pandemic. So I feel, again, I'm going through constant learning curves with this. But generally for me, I sketch things. I just hand sketch things. It's really odd, but a lot of things come to me in my sleep. <laughs> so I keep a sketchbook and a pencil next to my bed because something, I don't know what it is. I think my, my thoughts, I, I have inspiration in the day, but where my days are very busy, I don't think I have that time to really process everything. For some reason, it happens in my sleep. I wake up at 3 a.m. Oh, that's a really good idea. I jot a little thing down, and then in the morning when I wake up, it's there, and I add to that sketch. I really think it through, and I normally sit on it for a, for a little while because it's, I, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I have this great idea and then a few days later I'm like, that's not, that wasn't such a great idea. Let's, let's change that. <laughs> and I really add to that. I take those sketches. Um, I normally go to a few people who are good customers of mine but also friends and kind of like run through that design with them and just see if that's something they think is a good idea. And then I do my fabric searches and kind of make sure that everything is feasible in terms of cost-wise on that front. Then I'll go to my manufacturer. So my manufacturer does all my sampling for me as well because that's something I learned. There's no point doing sampling myself and then sending it to the manufacturer because they're realistically going to have to make the sample again for you. So I try and do it straight with them and then back and forth on that, go and try it on, get it graded and sign everything off, which takes a little while. And then, yeah, get into manufacturing. Yeah. How many samples do you usually have to go through to like finally get that perfect fit? I don't actually go through a huge amount, just a few, because I am definitely my own customer. So when I go, I, what, I, what I tend to do is I tend to get them to make a standard medium, but then also make a small for me because that's the size I wear. And I really see how it sits on the body. And that the first time I try it, I normally can really notice which edits need making in that 
first run. So I'd only say maybe two to three. That's really good. Yeah. yeah isn't a huge amount I know that but I think it is because I'm lucky that I, I'm making clothes that really I, I want and I know what the kind of flaws would be and what would irritate me and whatnot so I'm able to kind of perfect that quite early on which is it's lucky and I know a lot of people can't do that but um that's that's one part of the process that I've managed to slimline <laughs> sure. and then now you're also venturing into like lifestyle products like before the call we'll talk about it and yeah what got you into doing that so, if I'm honest, pandemic last year, a lot of problems, a lot of shipping problems, a lot of problems with manufacturing, because I really am against making people work in that time. I really was very uncomfortable with it. I did have um, a good few of the seamstresses saying, you know, they're happy to come in and whatnot, but I just felt at the time, I just really was very uncomfortable with it, and we really didn't know what it meant for everyone and who was going to be affected by it so there was quite a while about six months I really couldn't get anything made which is a huge amount of time for me because I'm not a brand that can make like design something and make it now for next year as we should be I'm very sort of in the moment so I'm designing now for summer which is it's late in the day but that's just how the business is working at the moment that's how I have to kind of run um so yeah, didn't have a lot of stock for a while. And I really sat and thought, and I was like, what can I do to bring it during this time? Like, what do people need? And I felt it was homeware. That's what I was into. I was sat at home thinking, I literally gutted one of the rooms, like painted it, stripped the flooring. I was like, how can I decorate it? What home pieces can I buy? And I was like, this is what people want right now. So I thought, yeah, let me get into a bit of homeware. And yeah, that's been going well. I think as a, it, it was really in line with my design. So I think it, it wasn't hugely different. It wasn't something that didn't match with Sheen London. It's very Sheen London. And I really felt that with people, people really warm to it. So that's kind of, that's kind of why it started. But I'm definitely planning to continue with it. And I feel like from what I've seen on social media, you've been able to create a really like strong community. You show your face, like people feel very comfortable with you, if that makes sense. Well, how have you been able to do that, especially like on Instagram? I think it's difficult. I don't think it's easy because initially, I don't actually know if anyone really knows this, but when I started Sheen London, I just did not want to show my face or anything. It was more of like a mood board and that came from my styling side. But I think at some point I realised you have to people won't buy with you if they don't trust you and at the time when I was styling it was a lot of outfits of me so it was posting photos of myself but it was more about the outfit and I realized those were the things that were making people trust me as a person and therefore my brand so over time started showing my face and I have a mentor Elizabeth Styles. she's a fashion consultant so she used to say to me you know it's like walking into a shop and there's no one behind the counter like who runs this shop where are you like give some emotion show people who you are people want to know so much about you as a person because that really shows where the brands come from why you're doing it it helps to build the trust and after doing it a few times I really realized of course if it was me buying I'd want to know everything and it really helps you just to understand why you're buying something and where it all comes from it's not just a oh I chose this tracksuit off the rack and kind of have put the price up and chipped it out to you it, it just there's so much more to it and it does take a bit of confidence but I think the more you do it the more you're relaxed with it I really don't mind uh, initially it was you know I need makeup on I need to be wearing a good outfit now I'm like guys just woke up but big news <laughs> and that's what people like to see it's realistic you know like all that polished yeah. stuff it's very 
I don't know if he'll ever come back again. And obviously, if, like the brands like you know Hermes and Dior, like that's that's great for them. That's what works for them. But mm-hmm. I feel like now the way consumers think as well, they just want to know who's behind it, and that's what they buy into, and then they buy into the brand as well. Um, yeah, that being really honest and real, and yeah. I think it's very hard to fake that. It's very hard to put on a front and do something that isn't naturally you. So I think the more you do it and the more you realise just being wholeheartedly organic, mm. that's what you need to do because that's what your brand is. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's what works. And I hope moving forward more brands do that and just gain that little bit of confidence to get on camera. And then from there on out, it's sort of like, well, this is me, take it or leave it. <laughs> How beneficial has it been having a mentor? I think hugely. Personally, for me, it's really helped, especially where, like I said, I've had absolutely no background in fashion, no experience, definitely winging it, definitely still am winging it, like I said earlier. And it just really, I find Elizabeth really helped me to align my thoughts. So it's all up there. It's all happening. But she's like, right. Let's get this into place. This is what we need to get done this month. And this is the order it needs to be done in. And it's it sounds simple, but I think when you're running a brand, a small brand on your own, it gets hectic. And in your brain, you're like, I need to be finance, marketing, I'm packing orders, I'm designing, I'm oh, I'm behind on next month's collection. Everything is just haywire in your head and having someone to really say to you, Okay, chill, take a step back, let's just get into it. You know what you need to do. Let's figure out how to do it. And that, for me, has been super, super helpful. So I definitely think it's key. And there's so many things now you can do, which, like, courses and things that I wish I'd done before. Those kind of courses, even, like, what you do, is incredible. The information is there. Like, if I could have done that, like, no-brainer. Absolutely no-brainer. Because, like you said earlier, you mentioned the girl on on your course that said £7,000 for so what what are you paying for when there's so much information out there and so many people who really actually have had that experience and will give it to you at a fraction of the price and time that they've had to put into it I really think it's important I really do I think like it's only now that we're able to see those accounts especially on Instagram that you know kind of specialize in fashion like fashion education basically and that can help us, you know, push forward. Like when I started, there was absolutely nothing and I had to wing it. And I started like making stuff myself. I was charging like 40 pounds to make like a long dress. And if I was to divide that by how how many hours it took me, especially when you're starting off, I was basically (laughs) charging like two pounds an hour. Oh my God, we've all been there. We've all been (laughs) there. But yeah, you're, you're right. Now it's like, there's just such a wealth of information and knowledge on the internet in front of us it's literally handed to us on a plate so oh, if only but it's good it's all part of the journey at least it's there now yeah what's one thing you really want to master in business or in fashion like you're working on it but you're like I really want to be good at this I I still feel that I'm very up and down like my what I want to do is very up and down and because I love so many aspects of it, I, I get really drawn into like the design process for a significant amount of time. And they're like, oh, no, you've done too much on that. You've forgotten about all the, all the other elements of the business. And then I'll get really drawn into like the Instagram side of it and creating content and loving that and really enjoying it. And then I've forgotten something else. And I think the balance of really understanding what needs to be done when naturally doing that and also balancing my life as my personal life and just the whole thing as... Yeah 
just each each part becoming just a part and stop getting too like drawn into each area because I think it's quite easy to do that for my personality I am because I, I get really passionate about things and then I'm all in and it just yeah the balance kind of gets a bit thrown off and that happens to me often so I'm hoping yeah having that in my head in the back of my head that I need to do that is helping but yeah that's kind of my target <laughs> what's been the most challenging thing you've experienced something that made you think you know what I'm good let me go and pursue something that's a lot more easier than this I think initially the time and not seeing the financial comeback because I think this is really strange concepts that you start a brand and overnight it's the most successful thing on planet earth and you look at these huge brands and you're like wow how have they managed to create that but when you start looking into them you're like well they're actually 14 years deep in the game and <laughs> you're nowhere near that so I think how understanding that it does take time I find that a challenge because I really do put a lot into it, put a lot of time into it, a lot of energy, a lot of heart and soul. It just so I feel sometimes that that kind of eats you because, like you said, with my skills and my experience, I definitely could go somewhere, just get a job, and earn a lot more in in a, in a day. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I think that's definitely a challenge, but I've learned to really embrace that, and I really actually love it and and enjoying the journey and learning that. Yep, that. That is a challenge in itself, but you've really got to love it and be in it, and then it's not so much a, a challenge as such anymore. And what makes that kind of business journey easy for you? Like for me, for example, it's having like really good friends that are in similar positions, not necessarily the same industry, but when I'm having a really, really bad day, I can give them a call and be like, guys, I want to quit, and they'll be like, Rebecca, you're moving mad, like, let's sit down, you know. And it's <laughs> oh, always the same story. Like, my friends hate me like they literally are, they have a script like okay she's gonna say this and we're gonna say this and she's gonna say that and then and I was even like um saying to my boyfriend before I was like whenever I ask for your opinion like I know what you're gonna say and I know what the right answer is but I'm gonna fight you but don't yeah. worry like I'm listening and I'm taking it in but my okay. emotions are gonna fight you <laughs> for sure I think I'm very similar in that way I've always said this is definitely about people I have I'm in babes and waves it's like a community of female-owned small businesses and similar to you I have a lot of friends who are actually in the same industry as well like in fashion but in different areas so one of my closest friends is a small kidswear brand and like we constantly work together so we try and plan how we can sit together spend an evening we go somehow I feel like we go through similar waves I don't know if it's just the way of the world or what what it is what the reason is but I find when I'm feeling a bit kind of weighed down or struggling she always feels the same way and when we're both having a peak we have that peak together I don't know how it works it just always doesn't having those people by your side and like you said having those really down days that's the only thing that picks me up literally just picking up the phone or going into that community and just really opening that discussion and suddenly you have a flood of oh I've been feeling the same way or I had that last month or this happened to me this is how I got out of that funk and I think with me I like to have that conversation and kind of draw a line so I said this before I really don't like dwelling I don't I feel like it's just a waste of time I really like to sort of sit down have it out speak it through have my tantrum like you said I'm gonna say some crazy things just accept it Fight me back. By the end of the conversation, I'll be fine. 
no go to sleep open my eyes new day we're over it and just keep it moving and it's literally a case of other people yeah absolutely it's just the people around me that is what keeps me going definitely and what's been your most memorable memory <laughs> of having a brand like something that you know those feelings where you just kind of have to sit down and take it in and be like I actually really love what I do I think it was last year I released um it was an oatmeal set so it's like a crop and short set in uh, cotton it's like loungewear but it just went down so well I documented the entire process of literally every single day what I was doing and when I released it I did it as a pre-order and I was super scared because I never normally do pre-orders so I hadn't even had them made and I just wanted to make sure that all the fabric I'd managed to get went to the right people right sizes no wastage so I did that pre-order and in those few days it did so well and I did I probably more than I'd done in months in those few days and I remember the rush rush of getting that all made getting everything sorted on my own sitting packaging it up every night I was there till about 2 3 a.m and it was a chore but it was my happiest moment because I just sat there and I was like I've put my everything into it and sitting here seeing people actually really like it and are happy to order and that feeling that emotion it just it just makes it feel so worth it because you know you know you're on the right track sort of thing and that that really that those nights although I was you couldn't speak to me because I couldn't put a sentence together I was just I just felt that real good energy of you know this is all going to be worth it what do you think made that launch of that set really successful it was definitely the documentation of the journey I think it was I think well I also think the design was good (laughs) but you can design something amazing and put it out there and no one buys it it's very very like it happens but I think what I did that time was because it was all the fabric was made in London it was all manufactured in London every single piece of that puzzled to get had been put together in London we were in lockdown I was physically having to do everything myself I was having to find the drawstring somewhere local I was I didn't want to get shipped anything shipped from anywhere because I didn't know if it would ever arrive so I literally every piece of that journey was documented and I think for a customer firstly when I initially put out the design I had a great reaction so I knew it was going down well with my audience and then spending that time to really show every part of the journey I think that just made it because when you when you see a piece of clothing just hanging up it's just a piece of clothing you kind of don't really have any emotional attachment to it but when you really understand why that's been designed where it's come from what it does for your body how you can style it who made it why they made it all these different things I think you have like a huge attachment to it so that is a piece that you're going to look at and you're going to really you're going to love, you're going to wear it, you're going to ha- have so much more to it than just something you've picked up off a fast fashion website. Yeah. So I think that's what kind of really engaged my audience on that one. I love that. So where do you hope to see your brand in the next five years? What's the big dream? Do you know what? I am, a tra- I love traveling. I love seeing new cultures, new foods. I love the sun. So I don't know why London is the place that I love so much because I love the sun. <laughs> and I I think for me I'd love to I really I I always want to have heavy involvement I want to 
I want, don't ever want my brand to kind of like slip away from me and be run by someone else. My brand is always going to be my brand. And I've seen so many huge brands who really still have their founder as that key person. That's what I always see pushing London. Um, but I'd love to just be able to be kind of wherever in the world and still designing and still running things on my laptop, but all the kind of day to day, just have a nice fulfillment center, warehouse, something running all of that admin, getting everyone's packages out and just kind of have a really self running sufficient business where I can really focus on the designs and the direction and the community and all that kind of thing. So yeah, hopefully five years time, catch up with you then definitely we have to do another episode and be like reunion this is what happened no I love that I definitely am the same when it comes to the sun I want to be in LA in five years time chilling well I say chilling but like like you I always want to work and do my thing yeah like that I, I can't imagine giving it off to somebody else like I think when I like die it'll be like passed down to to somebody else like my family or something I couldn't I couldn't sell it um, but yeah I guess the whole point of like going into business in general is to have some sort of like flexibility around the style that you want to work in so mm-hmm. yeah like obviously being an entrepreneur you have to delegate those other like kind of nitty-gritty tasks but at the same time the you'll be making more decisions yeah I feel like you stop doing as much like physically but you, you have to think a lot more and you're basically in charge of everything so it's all on you at the end of the day do you have any books podcasts or self-development content that you could recommend for our audience oh definitely um so my favorite business book was oversubscribed (gasps) no one has read that book and it annoys me by daniel priestley yeah that's the one it's amazing i had every person who I trust in business has recommended that book to me and I'm not a big reader I'm going to be honest I with a physical book I'm I'm terrible I think six years will pass and I won't have finished a book and I got that book it was uh, I've allocated my plane journey I can't remember where I was going I was going to Thailand I was like right I've got a huge long plane journey I am reading this book I everyone is telling me to read it let me read it and honestly it really anyone starting a business product service like you really that book it's got some real gems in there and it gives you such a good understanding. I'm so happy you've read it. Yeah, so good, <laughs> so, so good. Um, podcasts are probably more my thing, so I'll give a few recommendations for that. So Elizabeth Styles, who I've now mentioned about five times, her fashion, she's got a podcast called The Fashion Feed, super helpful, really, really helpful, talks about everything fashion, every area of it, so I love that. My friend Shivani Powell started a podcast, I think it was only last year, but it's incredible. It's such a, it's a lovely lesson, a millennial, a millennial mind, it's called, and all about mentality of so many different areas. So yeah, I really recommend that. Um, and then a few others, a business of fashion. I like the Resilient Retail Game Plan by Catherine Nardley. That's a good one. Um, Caught Off Guard, British Wright. Yeah. And obviously... A girl, designer, designer. <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> oh, thank you. so much. So they're probably my, my top favourite ones. And I always have them on when I'm packing up orders and things like that. I think that's the best time you just get in the zone. And yeah. yeah. I love a podcast. Thank you. Um, yeah. Where can our audience find you? So Instagram is my main place. So that's at Sheen, S-H-E-E-N dot L-D-N. 
and then my website's Sheen London, but the full word London.co.uk. And on there, you can uh, sign up to my mailing list and get get some little offers through and know when we've got new drops and whatnot. But I say, yeah, Instagram's the main place and I kind of try and be on there every day. So if anyone wants a message about anything, I'm always up for a chat. Perfect. Thank you. I'll put that in the description box. But thank you so much for your time, Sheena. I've honestly super, super enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and gained a lot of valuable knowledge to help you with your fashion business or career. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, subscribe and share it with somebody you feel will benefit from this. As always, it's been a pleasure. See you next week. Bye.